Hey, everybody, it's Mike Brickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by our globetrotting sales director for our release liner business, Mr. Pablo Galeana. Pablo, am I saying your name correctly? Yes, you are. Yes, I am. After nine, eight or nine years of Spanish, I have that to show for it. So Pablo Galeana joining us today, responsible for sales for release liners in the Americas. Is that right? Americas region. Yeah, definitely. From Canada to uh, Argentina. So Canada to Argentina. So essentially all of Latin America, US, Canada is your responsibility? Yep, exactly. So you are seven months into your time with Nina. Is that about right? Uh, I think it's seven. Yeah, we started in April. Yeah, seven months. So you came along with the release liner, the Atasa acquisition that we made. Tell us about the role that you play within uh, the release liner organization. Okay, so um, from the very beginning, I've been involved in sales. But I've been playing different roles inside ITASA, actually inside ITASA for the Mexican project. But uh, from the very beginning, uh, pretty close to sales. And right now I'm fully focused on, on sales. So I'm the sales director of ITASA Americas, which is our uh, uh, company based in Mexico, uh, focused on whole Americas region. Uh, if we talk about uh, the U.S. market, so basically taking over some accounts and creating new business for the last two years or three years. And before that, I was more focused on Latin America and yeah, now focused on, on the whole region. And you're doing that as someone who grew up in Spain, right? Definitely. Yeah. With uh, distance. Yeah, yeah. How different as an American who grew up in America, uh, how different are things culturally between having grown up in Spain and conducted business and grown your career in Spain and then moving to Mexico where the language officially is the same, but I got to believe there's way different dialects and uses of different words, different kind of semantics and, and culturally, how, how different is it? So it's a big difference. Uh, people think that, that between Mexico and Spain, as we speak the same language, you know, everything is very closed. Uh, I would say uh, regarding the language, uh, there are some words that are, you know, different meanings in, in different places. The good point is when you talk business, there is no misunderstanding. When you move to Mexico and start living there, you know, in, in different scenarios, that's when you realize you are saying something funny and for them it's not funny at all, you know. So definitely that's, that's when you need to understand that uh, same words have different meaning, no? Uh, and culturally, uh, big difference with, with Mexico. Uh, I would say uh, in Mexico, people is really close. Uh, they are very, you know, uh, giving good service to new people. They're, they are very open to know new cultures and new, uh, and new people. I think that's something pretty similar to, to you guys in the U.S. And in, in Spain, we are, you know, more European, uh, also welcoming, but I think that a little bit more closed, no? Gotcha. So you are the second former Atasa employee, now a release liner employee to join us on the Getting to Know podcast. We had Olivier in a multimedia type of experience early on. I don't think we dug in much on what you called the Mexico project. So for our listening audience, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what that 
is all about and what we're doing in Mexico? Yeah, definitely. So, so basically, uh, 20 or 25 years ago, uh, Itasa had um, a joint venture with a, a Mexican partner in which uh, we opened our conversion plant. It's a converting plant in, in, in Mexico City. So uh, we had this project for, you know, not only convert ma our material in Mexico, but start producing in Mexico and become a, a, a global player, you know, with, with global footprint. And this was something that uh, Itasa was uh, looking at in the last, I would say, uh, like 13 years ago, 12 years ago. And eight years ago, that's when Itasa contacted me uh, and I entered in this project to uh, start from zero. Um, the idea of stop uh, just distributing Itasa's material in Mexico and start producing it so we can have independence from Spain and Mexico so Mexico can focus on on the whole region for America and the Spanish plant for you know the rest of the world. It's a beautiful facility that you have down there. Olivier said it was a potato field. I don't know if that's Olivier being a sales guy trying to paint a cool funny picture. Is was it actually a potato field? It was actually a potato field. Not only our land, but I would say almost all the industrial area that we were uh, looking at. So a lot of, you know, different pieces of land to, to invest and everything was like, you have to put a lot of imagination to, to try to think how it's going to be the, the future plant because you don't see anything, not only your building, you don't see anything at all, you know, surrounding us, no? And right now the, the, the area is, is, you know, fully built and there is plenty of, of buildings. I would say Tassa is one of the nicest ones. And um, actually now we are uh, increasing the building, um, so, so uh, with the with the investment that was announced a couple of months ago, uh, last week we you know we finished the acquisition of the new machine, newsletters, and uh, increasing our our building. What's been the most exciting part of the kind of production startup down there? Well, I would say one one year before uh, we started producing that last year of the project of, of starting from scratch, you know. Uh, building machines, installations, uh, starting with suppliers, uh, because the, the international suppliers for us, it was pretty easy. So we talked to the suppliers that are currently supplying raw materials to Itasa Spain and try to, you know, develop a new supply chain, but with the same materials. But nobody thinks about the small things like pallets, cores, plastics, all these kind of things that you don't think about, but, but you need it in production, no? So uh, starting from zero and, and trying to develop a new uh, source of, of these materials plus services, maintenance, all these kind of things, I think that was pretty exciting, pretty exciting. So Pablo, you've been with the company, what you said, seven or eight years? Eight years, yeah. Eight years. So if I'm not mistaken, when you joined, it was still a family-owned business. It was. Right? And then moved to private equity ownership. And then all along in, in that private equity uh, situation, I think it was clear that you, everyone knew that at some point you'd be changing hands again, unclear what, what, what future ownership might look like. What's been that journey for you? What's been the experience of going from family owned to private equity now to a you know, publicly traded organization? How, how's that been different for you? So for me, and uh, I'm a young guy, so for me, changes, I, I see them as opportunities. And I think that the journey from family owned business until uh, the actual 
situation we are. Pretty exciting. So with with the family, it was you know everything was very uh, close relationship between all of us. So for me to start learning about the company was pretty easy. No, pretty um, you know, happy environment. Um, when we started with the private equity, it was uh, good news because you know that some kind of projects can accelerate and, and we can start. Uh, for example, the Mexican project. No, it was uh, the, the kickoff was in the uh, I think it was in the first board meeting of the private equity. Uh, it was approved the kickoff to invest in Mexico for the uh, for the uh, full production. No, and and also now being part of a. a Public company, American-owned, you know, uh, company. It's also changing our the, the way we do things, and I think that now we are entering in this area in which we have to think big and we have to think also with new processes. Everything is more established. No, um, leaving apart all these kind of uh, we are a small company uh, processes in which everyone talks to everyone and 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 you don't need a. Um, a full process in order to, to uh, sorry, not full process, but something that is established, you know? So if you don't know how to do something, you just do it and, and that stuff. And now we are going to a different direction in which everything is well established. I'm glad that you believe that it's well established. I think we're still figuring out a lot of stuff as we go, but has uh, well established equated to slowing you down at all? I think that at some point, yes. In in my in in my experience, so being in sales, I think it's the opposite. So basically, what I have seen since we started together with with Nina is, you know, Pablo, if you need more resources, let's ask for that. You know, uh, every everything is pretty open to let's accelerate the growth. No, so for me, it hasn't been any any uh, things are not going slow, but uh, I think that. At some points, we will have to we will have to you know do things not as quick as we were doing it. Uh, I think that some kind of you know reporting financial things, the closure of the of the month, all these these kind of things. I think that now it will take us more time. You're very well traveled. My sense is based on the time that we've spent together, not just business wise, but but on a personal level, you like to do a lot of travel. Is that is that right? I like it. I mean, sometimes it's quite tiring, you know. Last week, traveling through the U.S., uh, it was, I would say, exciting, not to say any bad word. Uh, we lost, you know, a couple of, of flights. They lost our luggage as well. So it was, yeah, a difficult week. But, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, generally speaking, I, I enjoy traveling. Definitely. Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, late, late flights, canceled flights, all COVID-related. Is that or just the the U.S. canceled visas or something like that? The, the the U.S. canceled my visa actually one month ago without you know without sending me any any notice. So for me, it took me just like two hours to renew it. But it was those two hours in which I had to board the flight, so I lost it. Then the luggage, then another flight. You know, with with delays, it has been. Fun week. So you are well traveled. We weren't terribly accommodating by canceling your visa and not telling you. What would you say in all of your travels? What's the most accommodating culture that you've bumped into? Ah, uh, different aspects, but I would say Colombia. Colombia? Yeah, Colombia. I like being in Colombia. Actually, my my brother-in-law he lives in he lives in Colombia. 
So uh, when I go there, I try to, you know, uh, try to stay for the weekend with him so I can enjoy a little bit the culture. You know very, pretty well that when you travel, you know, for business, you don't have time to enjoy the culture. and You don't have sure. time to see where are you at, no? And, and in, in Colombia, I had this opportunity and, and a couple of, of times that I have gone there, I spent the weekend with him. A really nice place and really nice culture, you know, to get on with. What's your favorite place to travel to for holiday or vacation? Uh, I would say the south of Spain. I, I love it. I mean, I, I've been going there every summer for all my life. Uh, now my family and I, we are uh, moving to a different place, to the Balearic Island. But I would say that in general, yeah, going to the south of Spain, to the beach, that's my favorite place. When I was with you in Mexico last, you were telling us about a very remote location in Mexico that was great for vacations. Uh, remind me what that was. So I think we were talking about different places, but I think that you mean Tulum, could, could be Tulum. It was Tulum. Oh, and the other Tulum. one could be Holbox, which is an island and also okay. very, very remote. Yep. Is there one where the hotels are like in the trees or something like that and you're hanging out with monkeys and stuff? Uh, yeah, exactly. So in, in Tulum, you can see this couple of hotels, which is, you know, mixed with the jungle and it's a really nice place to be. And that's in Tulum. Tulum is growing pretty fast, a lot of investment. So, you know, I think that in the future, Holbox will, will remain being very natural and very, you know, uh, eco-friendly and everything. So I think that if you are looking for a very nice place to rest and you know you, you don't even have a telephone signal you should go in the future to do Holbox. gotcha gotcha so other than traveling um what do you do for fun when you're not selling release liners around the world so uh for fun i would say i like sports i like uh playing paddle you guys uh i don't know if you know what's paddle is uh it's similar to tennis it's something that it, it's it has been growing a lot in 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 Spain, Italy, and in Argentina. Um, so I would say that in Spain, a lot of people know about paddle and, and plays a lot, but in the rest of the world, it's not, it's not that common. And I also play golf. Gotcha. What's your favorite place to play? Uh, well, um, I would say in Mexico, I like it. Uh, the service is different. I mean, the culture is different. When you go to Mexico, you have to have your own caddy, you know, every three yeah. holes, everyone is offering you beers and everything. So you don't get to the whole 18th, you know, you can barely walk when you go there, but, but <laughs> it's a different, different kind of play, but it's, it's really nice. And, and I like playing in, in Mexico. In Spain, no cervezas when you're playing golf? No, not that much. I mean, you can find it, but it's not, you know, what people do. Who are the famous Spanish, I guess, is Sergio Garcia and Seve Ballesteros? Are they, they I would Spanish? say Seve Ballesteros. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sergio Garcia, I would say, with Tema Lazabal, next level. And now John Ram, you know, John Ram is doing pretty well. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So sports, traveling, you guys big music fans? Actually, I, I like movies. I'm not that fancy, you know, with, with music. My girlfriend likes music, so everything that she plays is, like, okay for me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like movies. You like movies. So when you're traveling, are you working typically? Are you watching movies? Are you 
getting into documentaries? What 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 are you doing? It depends. If it's a, a a flight that I have to take, you know, during the week from one place to another for meetings, sometimes you are with the laptop, you know, preparing the next presentation. But generally speaking, when I travel, I I like to play movies. So the first thing I do when I board to the to the flight is just open the TV, see what movies are they proposing, and if I like something, you know, I prepare the list. And if not, uh, if not, I grab my iPad and I see my own movies. Yeah. What's your all-time favorite movie? Well, that's uh, that's a hard one. Uh, in in general, I like um, I like. Um, have you do you know Snatch? The movie Snatch. Uh, Guy Ritchie is the director, so definitely all the all, all the movies that Guy Ritchie uh, produces. Okay. Apart from a couple of them that I'm not very happy with those, but apart from yeah. those, I, I I love Guy Ritchie. So Snatch, Lock and Stock, Gentleman, the new one. Those movies I would say uh, those are my my favorite. Are you like into watching the same movie? Like if you you love a movie, will you watch it several times or oh, are defi- you one definitely? Done? So yeah. so now I have stopped a little bit because uh, it's you know it's easier to work with the streaming platforms, but until you know a couple of years ago, every movie that I liked. I bought it in, in, you know, in Blu-ray. So I have like a big collection at home with my home cinema. So that's why I like, you know, watching movies in in good quality and uh, I know putting the sound volume very high. Yeah. So my neighbor they hate me, but you, you enjoy <laughs> do the you movie. and your girlfriend like the same types of movies, or do you annoy I her? I think with my your... girlfriend likes the first fifteen minutes until you know she she gets bored, so she's slipped or she goes to the to the other room. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. In the movie about your life, Pablo, who would play the role of you? Of me? Yeah. Any actor in the world. Okay. So my favorite one, I would say, is uh, Tom Hardy right now, I would say. But if it's someone playing my role, I would say Leo DiCaprio because everything that he does is like the man you want to be. So if Leo DiCaprio plays my role, that, that means that I have an interesting life, you know? That's a great call. That's a great call. He's probably my favorite actor if I had to. I've never really thought about it like that, but everything he's in, I I, I love that movie and I love his character. Even when he's like kind of a bad guy, I, I like him. Yeah, exactly. In Django, for example, he's the bad guy. And, and even though you want to be, you know, playing that role, no? We could, you know, we could work out some kind of Nina movie in which we had Leo play the role of Pablo. And since since Olivier looks exactly like Brad Pitt already, we could pull <laughs> some, something together, right? Exactly. I think that Olivier is going to tell me, you know, after this, he's going to tell me, Pablo, for next time, don't talk about actors. Don't talk about movies, you know. Brad Pitt is already <laughs> yeah. his. As you travel around, what's your uh, what's your palate? How How adventurous are you from a food standpoint? Oh, for the food standpoint, I would say almost everything. So uh, living in Mexico, you know, gives you a lot of opportunities to test your your limits uh, regarding food. So I was not very fancy about uh, spicy food. Uh, Right now, if I can choose, I prefer not to eat uh, spicy food. But definitely, you know, being in Mexico, you you have to be open to that. Also, you know, test uh, special things. Uh, I I really love uh, um, this uh, ant larva which is very typical in Mexico. You don't find it in, in many places, but but almost everyone in Mexico has tasted that. And, and, and the first time you see it, it's like, I, I'm not going to eat ants, you know? But but it, it's really nice. I love it. 
So that's popular because I was thinking that our friend Jaime Espinosa, that was just his like joke to play on unsuspecting guests that will bring ant larvae in and that'll be funny. Uh, but that's pretty common. I, I mean, it's not pretty common. Not a lot of places have it, but I would say okay. almost everyone in Mexico has tasted, you know? Okay. And how is ant larva prepared? So I don't know exactly. I know that they prepare it with butter. So then you eat it with, uh, with guacamole and another sauce into the tortilla. So you, like, you prepare your own taco with that, and I love it. Uh, I would say, Mike, that, that we were, you know, pretty friendly because we were thinking in, in, in sending you to a different place. Instead of having uh, uh, ant larva, we were going to ask for chapulines, which is uh, grasshoppers, fried grasshoppers. And we thought that that was too much. Yeah, yeah that, that is very kind of you. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Although I will tell you, I, um, with a fairly immature palate, um, the food in Mexico when I was with you guys was great. Good. No, I, I love it. I mean, for me, uh, moving to Mexico, it was a little bit frightening regarding the, the, the food. And once you, you know, get used to that, I think that is a very, uh, um, you know, the, the, the gastronomy, do you say in English? It's like yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, the gastronomy is, is fully open. No? So if I leave the country for about a week, there's one particular pizza place that I make a beeline for as soon as I get back that I just, it feels like home and I go there and I miss it after a week. Um, what, what food do you miss when you're away from Spain? From Spain, I would say uh, a Spanish tortilla. And, and actually, uh, I prepared myself and, and mine, according to my girlfriend, uh, I don't know if that's, you know, pretty fair to say, but according to her, mine is, is one of the best ones. Uh, so, but, but I, you know, I miss the Spanish, the Spanish omelette and, and even, you know, even more if it's prepared by my mom. Spanish omelette. So what's, what goes into a Spanish omelette? So it's pretty easy. So and... basically you cook the potatoes. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's a potato, potato omelette. So you have to, uh, cut the potatoes, fry them. Also, you prepare the, the, uh, the onion in the way I do it, I prepare the onion separately. So you have to cook it for a lot of time, you know, low temperature. It takes a lot of time. Then you mix it. You put like eight eggs, I would say you put it all together and in the pan, uh, just a few seconds. So it's pretty creamy inside. Very nice. So your mom makes the best one of those for me. Yes. For me. Yes. And your mom's back in Spain. Yep, my mom lives in Spain, in San Sebastian, when, when I was, sorry, where I was born. Uh, this is uh, the north of Spain, uh, like 15, 20 miles away from the border with France. Uh, so it's the nearest place to Andoine, where Itasa has the, you know, the production mill. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I was born there and I lived there for, I was living there for 24 years. Do you have siblings, Pablo? Yeah, uh, I have an older sister. She lives in, in Madrid, in the Spanish capital. Uh, different for a different, uh, sorry, working for a different role. She's more in you know uh, marketing and, and publicity. And I have a younger brother that he finished the university a couple of years ago, and now he's moving again. Sorry, uh, also to Madrid as my sister. Uh, she's, uh, he's going to start working there. Do your do your parents love the fact that you're all this adventurous and moving around or do they miss you too much and want you to come back closer to home? 
I would say there are different levels. So for my brothers, I mean, from Madrid to San Sebastian is just, you know, less than four hours driving. So it's not that much. Uh, having me, you know, around the world, it's, uh, for, for them, it's, it's more difficult. So they enjoy, for example, now that we are going to meet again in, in Christmas. I think that for them, this is uh, good timing. Are they still in the house that, that you grew up in? Yeah. Actually, yeah. yes. They, they spend there like uh, half a year. The other half of the year, they spend it in, in the Balearic Island, in a different house that, that we have. But yes, when we meet in, in San Sebastian, the house is the same one that I was born. Yep. Very nice. Very nice. So as a kid growing up, another middle child, I feel like we've had a lot of middle children on the Getting to Know podcast. Uh, but growing up, was it your dream to move to Mexico and sell release liners around, you know, the Americas? I would say, I would say I was pretty open since I was young, pretty open to move, you know, out of Spain and, and no different cultures. Obviously I didn't have in mind release liners, but, 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 uh, the opportunity to go out definitely was something around my mind and, and, when I when I had this opportunity in front of me, I was pretty young, and I said, "Yes, let's go to Mexico." Do you speak any languages beyond Spanish and English? So I speak a little bit of French uh, because you know, living twenty five years next to the border, so you have to sure. get used to. But but you know, not not that very well. I just I would say I understand more than the, what I speak, and and also the Basque which is the, you know, the local language in the Basque region in the north of Spain. Uh, it's a very, very difficult uh, language. So if you don't speak it frequently, you know, with your family and everything, it's kind of you forget it. So for me right now to speak in Basque would be very, very difficult because nobody in my family speaks Basque. Uh, but yeah, I understand it. It's a... It, it, the Basque language, it's it's Latin-based? No, it's not Latin-based. Actually, uh, nobody knows the real origin. The only thing that, that it's proved is that it's one of the three most ancient languages in the world. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Learn new things on the Getting to Know podcast. Yeah. What are the biggest challenges as you continue to grow in the Americas, as we continue to put um, you know, a lot of investment into the release liner platform uh what are the biggest challenges for you pablo uh i would say i mean right now what what ha what's happening in the market and and the and the supply chain issues i would say that the biggest challenge for 2022 is going to be you know um serve the customers and and give them what they ask for no so right now manage growth when you have problems with supply chain is pretty difficult and i think that we are all focused on that but uh you know Beyond that, 2023 and above, I would say that the biggest challenge is going to be um, to to create a new sales team for me. And this is obviously focused on sales, no? to create sure. a new sales team in the U.S., could, you know, which can uh, absorb all the growth that we really want to go for. We talk about having unmatched customer partnerships as being one of our differentiating qualities, one of the things that will 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 set us apart from our competition. What's that mean to you, particularly in the face of some of the supply chain issues that, that, that we've been facing with, with the you know impacts of COVID? Well I would say um, I would say the way that we approach the customers and now being just because we I consider it as a 
Americas, the Mexican plant, as a small player right now. No, we are growing, but we are still a, a small player. And I think that that gives us the opportunity to be really close to the customer and really meet their needs. When you are, you know, a huge company, you have your own processes that tell you you have to do this, this, and that, and you cannot adjust to the customer needs because that will break your whole internal processes. No, uh, I think that uh, that now we can adjust to what adjust to what the customer is asking for, and I think that's the 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 success story of it as a, at, at least in the U.S. Definitely. What are you most proud of regarding my job? I mean, um, what, what are you most proud of from a an accomplishment standpoint since you've been part of Vitasa or Nina? Oh, I don't know. I I would say. Um, in the last year, we've done pretty, pretty well with uh, two big customers, which for Itasa has always been something like utopic, you know, something that you can talk to them and they always tell you, yeah, sure. that's okay, that's okay, but nothing more. And I think that uh, after a lot of years talking to them, receiving uh, no's and no's and no's, and at one point they suddenly tells you, okay, let's try it, no? And and when you try it, you accelerate everything and you and you gain these customers. In in these cases, we are talking about a couple of big customers. I would say that's what I'm you know most proud of. That's great. Well, Pablo, I've enjoyed getting to know you, and I, I I've said this at every opportunity that I get. Um, you know, when I look at potential acquisitions, obviously the talent and the culture and the operating model um, are, are huge factors for me. And, you know, I continue to be pleasantly surprised by the talent that, that Olivier and, and you and the team that surrounds you guys has brought to the table and your attitudes and the way that you guys go at it. You're a huge part of, of um you know the answer for us as we accelerate growth in in a you know in a new platform, and um, it's certainly been been fun working with you guys so far, and and uh, love the attitude, love the the talent, and the approach that you guys take. Thank you, thank you for that. So I agree with you that that Itasa has a great team. Uh, uh, even though I'm part of that, no, I, I shouldn't be speaking about me uh, saying that. But yeah, I definitely agree that that one of the success story um, or the success points no, of 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 Itasa is definitely have a, a great team, hardworking, you know, um, continuously working on and, and 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 putting a lot of hours on some things that that sounds impossible, but at the end is possible. No? Yeah, I, I I think it's really a great thing. Um, what I have noticed. Um, and, and this isn't, isn't just specific to, to Nina, but, you know, in my experience, it's rare to bump into leaders to, you know, senior level employees who, um, when they run into issues, they come to you quickly and they let you know what their issues are. And they've already formulated some version of a plan, if not a fully baked plan, um, to help, you know, avert those issues. You guys do a really great job there. And, um, you know, it's, it, you do as good a job in that category as anyone I've, I've worked with. So, uh, huge tribute to you and Olivier and the team for, for, you know, building a culture like that. Thank you. Thank you. And, and the plan is obviously continue, uh, delivering results no, in the, in the next years, definitely. But we are pretty happy that, that now that we have started together, you know, the plan is going on and, and we had very ambitious uh, objectives for this year and we are uh, accomplishing them. No? Happy for that. Yeah. Well, Pablo, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we hit our guests with three very specific questions. So I'm going to ask you those right now. 
The first one is what can always be found in your refrigerator, regardless of which refrigerator that might be in, what is always going to be there? So I would say three things. The first one is beer. Um, I like wine, but my girlfriend doesn't like, I mean, she, she prefers uh, beer. So definitely we always have beer. Cheese, because we like, you know, eating cheese with bread while uh, watching a movie. And I would say also tomato, which is definitely not for me because I hate it, but it's favorite food of, of my girlfriend. So definitely always tomato as well. Gotcha. What would you say amongst the people that know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? Uh, I would say um, organizing uh, friends meetings during the weekend. Uh, when I go, I mean, when I go to San Sebastian, it's been a long time without seeing my, my friends. So I, you know, I take my time to organize a lot of things. So I make sure that not only I see all of them, but also we enjoy uh, having, you know, lunch, dinner, some drinks, going dancing and everything, the full pack. So, yeah, I would say that, that I'm famous for that, for organizing almost everything. Kind of the, par the party director. I can see that. A, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, that's great. All right, last question for you, Pablo. What would you say you are most looking forward to right this very moment? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward for... Uh, Short term, really short term, uh, uh, Christmas vacations. I really want to meet my family again and, you know, enjoy, enjoy that, that time. And in a couple, sorry, in, in seven months, actually, I'm getting married. So I'm, I'm looking forward to my wedding. All right. What is the day for that? Uh, June 18th. June 18th. And where's the wedding going to take place? Uh, it's going to be in, in San Sebastian. And the celebration is going to be uh, actually like 20 miles away, but it's going to be in France because we will cross the border. Gotcha. Well, congratulations. I look forward to that. Don't do anything to screw that up in the meantime. No, I, I really hope so. I really hope not to do that. <laughs> well, Pablo, I've enjoyed getting to know you a little more here on the podcast and working with you thus far. So appreciate everything that you're doing for us and for taking time out of your busy schedule selling release liners all over the americas to spend time with us here on the getting to know podcast so thanks for your time thank you for having me here and thank you for you know giving me this opportunity to talk a little bit about me with with all of you thank you for those of you in the listening audience thanks for your time as well we'll talk to you again in two more weeks